Hello and welcome to another episode of Grizz and Steve's 90s Touch Up Time Machine. I'm Grizz. And I'm Steve. And this episode we are going to be discussing probably our favourite 90s subject, I would say. Is that fair to say, Steve? Yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this time we're going to be doing some different bands again and it is grunge. But these particular bands, so they've all got something in common and that thing being that they begin... Uh, with an M. It's, uh, we're going to be doing Melvin's, Mud Honey, and Mother Love Bone. So we're calling this the Grunge Mmm Burger. And if you, do, <laughs> if you get that reference, then I salute you. I salute you. I salute you indeed. Mmm Burger. You, you're making me fancy one now as well. I know, yeah. Do you know what? Should... Enough, I went past them all last night on the bus. Oh, mate. You know, there's one in um, Brick Lane now. In East London. Is it? Really? Wow. Yeah. Which feels so wrong because Morley's is such a South London thing. I don't know if that means Brick Lane's coming up in the world or... Yeah, or going down. (laughs) (laughs) Things are either really, really good or really, really bad. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I'm working around the corner from Brick Lane today. I might might pop in and get (laughs) 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 them. Oh, if you'd known, you could have got one for this. I know. Oh, never mind. Um, and sp- uh, speaking of saluting, um, something that we should just touch on before we get started is mm. this is the first podcast episode we are recording in the reign of King Charles the Third. It is. It mm. definitely is. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Also, so, uh, um, a little dedication to Coolio who passed away today. Oh yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Coolio, this, this episode is de- dedicated to um, Coolio and Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, you know, we're talking about... Ever, I bet nobody's ever dedicated a podcast episode to those two people before. Yeah, about grunge music. <laughs> exactly. It's got to be the first ever Mud Honey grunge uh, podcast dedicated to Coolio and Queen Elizabeth II. Exactly. Yeah, but in all seriousness, you know, rest in peace to them both. But yeah, but I'm sure that's exactly what they would have wanted. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, so we're talking about a lot of the grunge bands. Um, so we've you know, we've done part one and part two, we've discussed Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, Screaming Trees, and who was the other band that we discussed? Um must have been someone good. <laughs> yeah, it would have been good. It might be Mad Season. It could have been, or Temple of the Dog. Oh, cool. No, wait a minute. How many did you just say this now? We've got, right, right. First, the first one we did, Alice in Chains, Style Garden, and Pearl Jam. Yeah. The second one we did, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, and Screaming Trees. Oh, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, great. Yeah. So there you go. We do, we're definitely due an episode on Temple of the Dog and Mad Season. I think, yeah, that's the next one that we have to do. We definitely do. So that'll be part, yeah. part four, Grunge Part Four. Um, exactly. So the grunge bands featured in today's episode are actually a lot of them uh, were kind of a lot bigger or you know um, prominent uh, in the eighties really weren't they they yeah. sort of like and but we have to talk about them because we wouldn't have the bands that we discussed last time um, exactly without these bands exactly um, they they're all all three of them massively influential on the grunge scene as a whole. And I think Melvin's and Mudhoney in particular, yeah, uh, very influential on Nirvana, and Nirvana, yeah. obviously being the band that 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 broke the glass ceiling, as it were, yeah, and, um, 
put grunge into the consciousness of the masses. Yes. So it would be wrong to, to leave them out. They yep. are they are big, you know, even though, as you say, I mean, to be fair, they were probably, all three of them, probably more commercially successful in the 90s. Yeah, that's uh, true. Very true. Yeah, because obviously, you know, they're, they're following the started in the 80s, as you say. But um, yeah. but they, I don't think they were any of them were particularly successful, sort of on a worldwide scale before no. Nirvana broke. So it's true. It's, it's very very true. And um, obviously, a lot of the bands that we uh, went on to talk about in, in episode in part one and part two, um, some of the members of those bands were were in bands with you know, or, or even in some of the bands that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and actually, that's one of the things that I, that I was going to say. Mm. Like what I love about this whole this scene in in general, the mm. Seattle scene, is that it's it's almost like a Kevin Smith film, you know. It is. <laughs> it's own universe, it's, isn't it? It is. Yeah, you get you your characters popping up in like different bands that you're like, oh, you know, he was in that band. He was, and, and it's, yeah. it's really it's, it's all so intertwined. It it's is. I mean, I'm so jealous really, that they that they were around at that time and involved in that scene. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we've got the MCU, the Marvel Comics universe, and mm. obviously um, the um, the Kevin Smith's universe. Um, I think we should call this the SSU, the uh, Seattle Sound Universe. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah, so everything involved in the SSU will appear in these grunge episodes um it's funny because we, we'll obviously get onto this in another episode but we went to see singles last week at the um the 30th anniversary screening of singles the movie mm. at the prince charles cinema with dave um and your sister yeah and um i think it's funny actually because i've seen the film so many times um but i really got a real sense of the ssu as it were <laughs> um, in in this in this film and i think you know we won't talk about it because obviously we're going to talk about it in another episode but as you say, like, you know, the fact that all these bands and all these key players, all these key members were involved in so many of each other's bands, but not only that, supporting each other's bands. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a huge, huge thing. And it's, it's so, um, it's so lovely. Like, that's all I can, that's the only way I can really describe it as. It's just so bloody lovely. And then watching that film made me think exactly the same, something I've always and often felt, but exactly what you just said. I really wish I was there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, singles, like you say, we, we won't discuss it in too much detail now, but singles is, is kind of like the Avengers Assemble of the... Uh, yeah. of the <laughs> <laughs> it is, it really is. Yeah, it yeah. really, really is. I think uh, if we're going to do it, I think Chris Cornell is probably Captain America. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. You're, yeah, we'll, we'll go through and we'll, we'll have a good think and we'll talk well, about it in the episode. singles episode. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and yeah we'll try and cast them all we will we will do so let's talk about some of these bands then so i don't so regarding melvins i don't really know too much about melvins or know too much of their music yeah what about yourself well, um up until relatively recently it was the same for me yeah uh, i think I, we would talking because uh actually we we went to see mud honey as well Did. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago now a couple of weeks ago yeah yeah yeah, time flies when you're having fun. And um, we um, we obviously we met up beforehand and had a couple of drinks. And I think I remember saying to you then 
that you know over the last few years i've tried to invest more time in in these other bands these grunge bands that were that were big on the scene but not yeah. necessarily big worldwide yeah. and uh, melvin's being one of them i mean i don't know if you know it's the age-old thing and i don't want to get into it again but there's that whole thing about what's grunge and what isn't does yeah. grunge even exist you know yeah. all that crap for the sake of of argument these three bands we are calling them grunge <laughs> for, definitely for definitely, so, definitely. Uh, they, they're, they're ggs aren't they they're grand they're, they're um grunge granddaddies yes absolutely yes they are the they're granddaddies of grunge yeah 100 percent um and yeah melvin's i mean for a start they're one of those awkward bands yeah. where you're supposed to just call them melvin's but i mean let's be honest it's the melvin's isn't it of course it is yeah cool. it's like do you know what i have a real issue with that with with the pixies and smashing yeah. pumpkins because yeah. lately i feel like i've gone mad over the last few years or the last yeah. 10 years because they just keep being called pixies and i'm like they're not exactly. pixies they're yeah. the pixies yet the band so, themselves are referring to themselves as pixies I'm like, it's almost like they've got it wrong as well. Yeah, it's like that that business with uh, with West Ham with their football ground. How it was always Upton Park, yeah. and then all of a sudden they started calling it the Berlin Ground. And I was like, "What has it always been called the Berlin Ground?" Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this or what. It's, but, it's uh, bizarre, isn't it? It's like smash again, Smashing Pumpkins. Some people say Smashing Pumpkins or the Smashing Pumpkins, and yeah. some albums will say Smashing Pumpkins, and some albums will just say the Smashing Pumpkins, and it's yeah. There's it's, a big, it's, it's a big thing. You've got to either pick one or the other, make a choice. Yeah. Well, the, the Melvins have done the opposite to that. They've actually on their Facebook, uh, they've actually got the in brackets, all in lowercase, yeah. and then Melvins. So they they're actually almost acknowledging this. Yeah. This uh, conundrum. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, what it, it's it is it's a real it's a real funny one, but I you know I hold my hands up. I could I can honestly say I don't think I've heard many Melvin song songs at all, really. Mm. And it's it's, it's yeah. as we always say it's an, it's about investment. You've got to kind of invest. Um, and I know that you've been listening to a lot of the early grunge stuff, the granddaddies of grunge lately. Um, what's yeah. your take on Melvin's? Then what do you think of Melvin's? Well. First of all, give you a bit of a background. I mean, obviously, they were formed. They were formed in 1983 in Montesano, Washington. Okay. Or, or I'm pronouncing that wrong. And like you say, you know, this whole scene again, like you know, just just the idea of all these bands, man, uh, popping up, and and not only are they great bands, but I mean, it's easy to say that now, but you know, I just I'm also envious of the people who were around at the time that recognised that these bands were going to be great or that liked them straight away, you know, from the very beginning and didn't have to, you know, do what I'm having to do, which is go back and dig deeper on the on the uh, genre because I only know the, you know, the big bands. Yeah. So I'm so jealous of those people as well. I'll put that out there. Um, but yeah, they they were um, they were quite active in the nineties, actually. Funnily enough, um, it's you know you tend to like you say you tend to think of of them as more of a an eighties band, but 
they they released what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine albums in the nineties. Oh wow, that's lo- yeah. I mean, that, nine. That's like an album a year. Well, in fact, in nineteen ninety four, they they released an album in August, and then another one in October, and in nineteen ninety nine they released an album in May, and then another one in August. So two albums wow. a year in some cases. That's insane. I mean, it's, some bands just have so much material. I mean, to be fair, Smashing Pumpkins has so much material. They could release probably yeah. two albums. But like with bands like Melvin's, who you don't really know too much about unless you're a fan, that's really impressive. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, obviously, I think a lot of that, well, not, not so much the, the music they produce, but the the fact that they were given the opportunity to um yeah. with bigger record labels is obviously was to do with nirvana which is yeah. funny because they they influenced nirvana and nirvana ended up being the ones that sort of unlocked the door for them as well yeah but, uh, but yeah these albums so you had Bullhead head in 1991 lysol in 1992 which wow. i believe was his name um houdini in 1993 yeah. Crick in 1994, <laughs> Bona Witch in 1994, Stag in 96, Honky in 97, and then they did a triple, like, like the, where they all these albums were interlinked, but mm. they were released separately, was The Maggot and The Bootlicker in 1999. Wow. And then there was, I can't remember, but that was released in 2000, so that's just outside of our Yeah, time. It'd be really but, interesting uh, to listen to that and just sort of see how they developed over over nine years really or over like over that decade because you know we spoke about the chilies in the past like there's such a big difference in sound from yeah, sugar sex magic yeah. to californication but to have that sort of real sort of progression displayed in all of the albums throughout that that's almost like that slow development or that very clear development be really interesting to listen to which do you know what i'm going to do i'm going to listen from all that all of those albums um all the way through and just see how how they um, how they change yeah, I mean, they, they did, um, you know, in, in what I was reading about them, they, they, their sound definitely did change. Um, and I believe it went from a more sort of a faster paced sort of um, almost, well, what you would think of as like grunge, but then yeah. it went more into sort of a slower sludgy, like sludge metal type yeah. uh, sound. So listen out for that. I, I, if I was going to pick um, some songs off of these albums, so mm. um, Going Blind, which is a, a cover of the Kiss song, uh, which is on Houdini, mm-hmm. um, Honey Bucket, also on Houdini, and my favourite, probably my favourite Melvin song, Full Stop, it is called Revolve from okay. Stoner Witch, yeah. 1994. Uh, Revolve is a fantastic Yes. I mean, the thing is, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely give all of those a listen. And I, I, and I, it's funny, isn't it? You talk about the word grunge, like you couldn't get a more grungy, grungy uh, list of song titles than was it Honey yeah. Bucket and Stone Witch? <laughs> yeah, Stone Witch. Yeah, yeah. Stone Witch. Um, Absolutely. But like, yeah, but again, like Mud Honey, uh, Mud Honey. Uh, Melvin's are one of those bands that I think, again, you've got to invest. And I think it's important. I think it's important that if you are a Nirvana fan, fan or you are a Pearl Jam fan or a Soundgarden fan, it's actually really important to listen to these bands and just to really sort of see where the bands that we love um, found their influences, what it is that they really liked. Because when we saw Mudhoney recently, 
well, I think we both said that watching Mudhoney live was like watching some of the clips of the very early Nirvana shows or any Nirvana show, really. It was just pure, raw, sort of punk rock. But more than that, it was it was it was it was it was grungy as fuck, really. That's the only way to describe it. And I think yeah. watching Mudhoney live and we'll get into Mudhoney, but watching them live, it was just like I can totally see where Nirvana came from. Yeah, well, and, and like, you know, to give you more of an idea of how important Melvin's in particular were um, with Nirvana, it was actually Buzz Osborne who introduced Dave Grohl to Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic. So, oh, wow. There you go. I mean, obviously, Dave Grohl, that wasn't the formation of the band, yeah. but, you know, without Dave Grohl, who knows, who knows what yeah, might have might not yeah. have been as good as that's it and i think it's like it's like anything you've just got to pay your respects to to the ogs to the originals it's like when people talk about hip-hop or they talk about um just rock or pop in general like it's really important to go back and really see where bands the bands that you love or the songs that you like you know where they were how it was influenced and who influenced them because you can you can really see it and you can really feel it um, and like the Mel- and Melvin's, like I said, I've never really given them time, but I definitely will give them a good old a good listen. Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely definitely not an entry level grunge band. No, no, definitely. Um, but I, you know, from what I've listened to over the last few years, I am getting more and more into them. It's the like I hate to use this phrase because I don't think it's a great phrase actually but they're an acquired taste yeah Yeah. um but then when you make the the effort you know you can you can understand more Mm. um why people like these bands i mean funnily enough when i was doing my research i i was particularly looking for things that happened to these bands in the 90s and um so I wanted to obviously focus on that because we know that they, they started in the 80s, they, yeah. they had their cult following in the 80s and whatever. But what happened to them in the 90s? And they actually, in 1998, they, they did a tour with another band who are very much in a quiet taste, who we both love, and that is Tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is so, it. You've got to, you've just got to, I think you've got to open your mind and open your, your ears, basically, and just really all... And just, just really just sort of go, right, okay, what, what am I listening to? And just really just um, just embrace it. Whatever noise, whatever noise is coming, embrace it. Some things are growers. Some things take a bit of time to, to really settle in and to really um, hit you. Sometimes they never do. Like, like Faith No More yeah. has never really grabbed yeah. us, have they? Exactly, yeah, true. Yeah, and we've actually tried as well. We really have tried. We really, yeah. really have. But I, I think I've heard a few Melvin songs that have come on like a playlist that Spotify yeah. has made for me. Um, and I've always kind of enjoyed it, but I've never gone right. I've got to jump in and have a have a real listen. Yeah. Well, like I say, they're not necessarily an entry level grunge band, they're but not, no. an entry level Melvin song would be Revolve. I think that's it's, it's got such a um, catchy riff. Yeah. Really, yeah. Uh, really great song. So yeah. it's going to start. Maybe start there. Start there. Um, a couple of interesting facts that I found about them in the nineties. Mm. Um, so obviously they um, 
they well i don't know i say it obviously i don't know how common knowledge this is but i suppose it is if you're a melbourne fan but um they relocated um to san francisco in the late 80s yeah. and when they did um matt lukin mm. actually stayed and he formed the band that we're going to talk about next mud honey with yes. Mark oh. so there you go there's there's a uh, already uh, the beginning of the SSU there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to draw like a like a, a family tree of the SSU, yeah. haven't we? Oh, genius. That's genius. And, we, and like, you know how people, there's like a list, isn't there, of the MCU, of like all the films, you, you, yes. how to watch these films in order. In the same way, yeah. like Kevin Smith films, really, you can watch them in order and it doesn't start with Clerks. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's so wrong, yeah. though. Exactly, but, uh, chronological order. But you know, you could do it with this, couldn't you? You could really start with all these bands and then get up right up until you get to, um, I don't know, like the, the maybe like 94, right after, like up to Kurt's death or something. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think um, we should do it. I think we should. Um, but yeah, I've just realized that I said that I was going to tell you about facts that happened in the 90s and then I mm. just mentioned the late 80s so <laughs> moving on to stuff that actually did happen in the 90s um they they actually had um laurie laurie black known as lorax who played bass for them who replaced matt lukin um and she was the daughter of shirley temple oh wow yeah that's a weird one isn't it? fucking hell it's crazy isn't it it's, it's, it's like minnie ripton the um the, the, the singer like the old sort of soul singer her daughter yeah. is the um, the lead actress in um, in Bridesmaid. She plays the the bride. Oh. oh, I did not know that. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, and um, and also, um, uh, what, what was it? It's an uh, oh, it's a particular concert that they played with Primus, who are another mm. uh, acquired taste band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they um, they got Gene Simmons on stage to play bass with them. Um, oh, wow! On the cover of Going Blind. Fucking hell. So, Crazy. Yeah, Speaking of quite. Primus, but you know, I keep telling you to watch the um, the South Park 25th anniversary concert. Yeah. Primus are the band. They're like the house band and they start off the oh. whole gig. Yeah, because I know obviously they did a song for the for the movie, didn't they? Yeah. 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 There you go. It's all it's all linked. It's all linked. And um, and speaking of links, then you know, getting on to Mud Honey, Mark Arm, the lead singer of Mud Honey, um, he was originally in a band called Green River with uh jeff and and stone from pearl jam yeah yeah and mother love bone and temple of the dog yeah it's kind of i, I don't know about you but i kind of find that quite strange because like i think of mud honey mm. like, you think of mud honey and you think of pearl jam they're quite different aren't they yeah bit very very different bands mud honey way more way heavier really but in a way yeah. i can kind of see how they were in a band because um, I don't know. Like, obviously, I'm assuming that when when Stone was younger and the stuff they were listening to was probably a lot heavier and everything. But you know, even I mean, even like the difference between Mud Honey and Mother Love Boat, huge difference. Oh, massive difference. Yeah. Mud Honey I, isn't. I don't think you could ever call Mud Honey a sort of a melodic band in any kind of way no, at all. No, no, no. They're a riff band, aren't they? Yeah, you can't compare them to Mother Love Boat in that respect. Just very quickly before we mm. properly move on to Mud Honey, I just wanted to say one more thing about Melbourne, mm. and that is. Um, this is um, something that I learned about that I actually had heard something back in the day about it, but not looked into it properly. But on their album Houdini, 
Um, mm. Kurt Cobain was actually given co-production credit on, on that album oh. uh, for six tracks. Um, he apparently, allegedly, he played guitar on Sky Pub. And oh, wow. Red Eagle Beagle, a couple of songs off of the album. But um, but actually, it was um, it turns out that it was not a great time in Kurt's life, right? And um, and it was all a bit of a you know it was all a bit of a disaster really. Um, and I read a couple of things, um, a couple of people talking about it. Jonathan Burnside, who was um, one of the engineers on the album, um, mm. said it's. It's not easy reminiscing about making the album Houdini with Kurt Cobain and the Melvins. He calls them the Melvins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it says bad communication, drugs, major label profiteering, rehab, schedule blowouts, backstabbing, and album miscrediting. It was a devil's album. Oh, wow. He felt about it. And then um, I found a, a quote from Buzz Osborne himself mm. um, from an interview with Kerrang in 2008 where he says, we did a bunch of sessions with Kurt Cobain, but it got to the point where he was so out of control that we basically fired him and went our separate ways, which is unfortunate because I think that would have been fun. Obviously, that was a little snapshot of what would end up happening, and I don't have a whole lot of fond memories of that. It was an absolute tragedy. Oh, wow. So, yeah, again, um, showing you the, the involvement. And it's funny because Nirvana, uh, you know, as much as we spoke about these bands all being interlinked mm. you kind of feel like nirvana were sort of separate on their own yeah like, it always did didn't it i mean even like when you watch the film singles they're the only band not to appear in singles of this period yeah but um but there you go it shows that they obviously obviously they did have some links to some of the other bands and whatever yeah. but it's that's just a little snapshot of it and, yeah Bad it's one. interesting, isn't it? We'll, we'll get we'll get on to Muddy, but funny you talk about like Kurt and everything. I, I was reading an interview with um, Francis Black recently of the Pixies, and obviously mm. we know that regarding influences, Nirvana were massively influenced by Pixies or the Pixies. Um, <laughs> and according to uh, Francis Black or Black Francis, however you want to call him, um, he said that he never actually met Kurt Cobain. Oh wow! No way! Yeah. I know, and I found it quite sad actually. I was like, wow! I can't believe you didn't meet. Kurt or Kurt didn't meet you because you were both such big well Kurt was a huge fan of of yours and yeah it just kind of would make sense that they would meet apparently they never ever met in person or anything oh, um, it is and it's actually you know it's sad to hear about you know some of your heroes because the things we, we completely idolize Kurt don't we obviously about you know all the yeah. music he brought but actually it, it, there were times where he was really difficult really really difficult yeah. to work with yeah yeah exactly. in the same way scott wyland was like we absolutely adore scott wyland but you know he yeah. was constantly being fired from stone temple pilots and yeah. velvet revolver because his, his drug habits were just causing him to be so self-destructive and destructive to everyone around him yeah that's it yeah it is it is um you know you put these people on this, these pedestals and actually they were just human beings like the rest of us you yeah know? Yeah, completely. Those little things that you that you hear about just goes mm. to show that. Yeah, but speaking about Mud Honey, like as you say, we, we saw Mud Honey recently at the Electric Ballroom in Camden. Yeah. And you know, it's a band for a band that's been touring for so many years now, and we've had many opportunities to see them. Finally, mm. we bought a ticket and went to see them. Mm. And you know, I'm I'm sure I speak for both of us. What a fantastic night it was! Oh, it was brilliant. They were so good, Even despite their um, <laughs> the. Um, what do you call it the technical difficulties that they yeah. there's a couple of 
times where the uh, sound engineer had to get on stage, wasn't they? Unfortunately, yeah. but uh, but no, they the, the band themselves were brilliant. That's it. They were, and you know who doesn't have technical difficulties? We definitely do when we do this oh. sometimes. um but no they were they were great and it was just yeah as as i said you could really see nirvana's um how nirvana were influenced by them just by watching mud honey live and they were just they were so incredible and just proper just real sort of grungy rock and roll um they just thought they really went for it and mark arm's voice and the band the drummer was phenomenal i thought really stood out to me but then yes. you're watching Mark Arm, and again, you're watching him and thinking, oh, my God, you were so influential and so instrumental to so much. Um, yeah. And this man, he knew them all, and they all knew him, and he was such a big part in the, in the story of grunge. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, yeah, a bit of back, background on Mudhoney then. So they were formed in 1998 in Seattle. Yeah. Um, however, they... You know, that sounds quite late in comparison to the Melvins being formed in 83. But the reason that Mudhoney formed later is because of the breakup of other bands. So um, they broke up following, uh, sorry, they, they formed following the demise of Green River, which obviously we, we've spoken about. Yep. Um, but yeah, so Mark Arm and Steve Turner, um, formed, but they were in Mr. F and the Calculations together. Um, they actually, Mr. Epp and the Calculations played their last show on mm. the 3rd of February 1984 with Malfunction. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Malfunction, for anyone who doesn't know, were the band that Andrew Wood was in before mm. Mother Love Bone was formed. Yeah, another M band. There you go. Uh, oh, yeah, and another M as well. Another mm, burger. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, speaking of, I mean, this is it, as we said, like they were all interlinked. They all. And the, the great thing about these bands are they were all so intertwined. They were all so influential to each other and so supportive of each other, which is, you know, massive, a massive thing compared to other, you know, other scenes like the New York scene or the L.A. scene, especially the L.A. scene. Yeah. Um, and yet they all sounded so different, didn't they? They all sounded so. so I mean, like, again, we're going to compare, obviously, Mother Love Bone to Mudhoney, but two very, very different bands. Um, yeah. And if you are... Again, you know, if you're going to get into Mud Honey, you know, go straight to, you know, Touch Me, I'm Sick. I think it's the absolute epitome of what Mud Honey's sound is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, they actually, so in the 90s, they, they released only four albums compared mm. to Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> four is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it is. But it's not, I mean, it's not nine, though, is it? Oh. What's that? It's not nine, though, is it? No, exactly. There you go. They're slacking a little bit. But um, one of one of the the album that I probably like the most out of the four. So you got every good boy deserves fudge in nineteen ninety one. Yeah. Piece of cake in nineteen ninety two. My brother the cow in ninety five. And yeah. tomorrow day in ninety eight. Um, <clears throat> out of the four of them, piece of cake is probably my favorite album. And my favorite song on that album is Sucky Dry. Yeah. And they opened the gig at the Electric Ballroom with that, which was awesome. It was. And they they played a lot of the, the hits. Um, they, they played Touch Me, I'm Sick. They played Sucky yeah. Dry. They yeah. played Sweet Young Thing Ain't Sweet No More. Yeah. Um, they, now, but yeah, they was, really they, did. 
And the yeah. thing is, like, they are proper, like, do you know what I can actually hear? I can hear a lot of um, Queens of the Stone Age in a way. Even though Queens of the Stone Age are a lot sort of clean, they've got like that fuzzy sound, but they're a, yeah. they are a lot cleaner than Mud Honey. But they're just, in the same way that they're both absolute riff kings. So, yeah, I mean, Mud Honey are a band that, again, I didn't really massively invest in. I knew their history and how important they were as a band and the importance of Mark Arm. But actually, I, I never really invested. And when we went to see them live, I thought, you know what? I'm actually not going to listen to anything. I'm just going to go and watch and just take it all in. Um, and the gig itself, it honestly felt like we tra- we'd, we'd actually travelled back to the 90s watching this this gig. There was hardly any phones in sight, lots yeah. of flannel and plaid shirts everywhere. Yeah. Um, and the band were just as good as I imagined they were in the, in the 90s and in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you touched on there, you know, saying about how important Mark Arm was. And just to go back to... Um, the the SSU again for a minute so we um, you know obviously we spoke about the fact that after um, their original band Mr. Effin and Calculations broke up they, they formed Green River we spoke yeah. a little bit about Green River and um, as you mentioned um, Stone Gossard and Jeff and went on to join Pearl Jam but before mm-hmm. they went on to join Pearl Jam they formed went on to form Mother Love Bone as well yeah so there you go. I mean, again, these these bands linking up, and again, not two bands that you would would say are similar, really. No. In in any way, um, mm. despite the fact that they're lumped into the same genre together. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Mark Arm is one of those names that just it constantly just gets thrown out there. As as he is just he's just so there. He's just so instrumental. I was watching the. Pearl Jam documentary recently, PJ20. And, mm. you know, they just casually say, oh, you know, I've got a phone call from Mark Arm. And they just, and, they, and it's just, it's just a name that everyone, if you know this scene, yeah. you just know yeah. the name and you know how important he is. And him just casually on this, you know, this, this intimate stage, this intimate setting in Camden recently. Yeah. It's actually, it was such a big deal, really, more, more than you kind of, well, I, I definitely realised, and I'm sure you realised, but it was such a big deal. This guy was, is such a link to all these incredible, yeah. huge bands that, that came afterwards. Absolutely. Well, a lot of people even credit Mudhoney with sort of creating the grunge genre altogether because yeah. Superfuzz Big Muff, um, mm. which their EP, their, their first EP, was released before um, any of the sub-pop albums, any of yeah. those compositions albums that are considered to be like the birth of grunge so super fuzz big muff is almost like the, the first grunge album yeah yeah it is uh, and you and if you listen to it you, again you listen to it you can just hear all the grunge albums that followed yeah yeah and and as you mentioned earlier touch me i'm sick is on there so i mean touch me i'm sick you know it might be the the first sort of like grunge song in which being respected yeah yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So in terms in terms of the nineties, um, one thing that I found really interesting about um, Mud Honey when I was reading up on them is a quote from Mark Arm actually, mm. and uh, it's about after Kurt killed himself. So he says, 
there was a backlash after Kurt killed himself. The English press were so angry that we were still around. Those were some of the worst reviews we'd ever gotten. We were mocked for still existing. And oh wow, uh, yeah. And I think that is, you know, that's sadly is part of the grunge story too. You know, mm, it is. It, was, it did become this massive thing, and it was almost, you know, after Nirvana broke. It was it was the scene to be into, yeah. And it died out so quickly, and and like Mark Arm says there, I mean, afterwards it was almost like a joke. It was almost like why are these why are these guys still bothering? Why are they still yeah. going on? Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? Really, because as you say, they were such. It's what the world needed. Grunge is what the world needed, and then after Kurt killed himself, that was it. It was like no one wanted it, no one needed it. We've moved on. And what did we move on to? Bloody new metal. Fred Durst. Fred Durst. It's not his fault. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it is, it's it's really sad. And then when you watch Mud Honey the when we watched them recently, you do have to sort of question for a second, like, you know, why are these guys still making records? Why are they still playing shows? And it's like it's because they're musicians, it's who they are, they're artists, it's what they do. And yeah just because they're not the mainstream or it's not Nirvana and it's not, you know, selling out on Glastonbury. Yeah. They're, they're playing shows. They're playing gigs. They're doing what makes them happy and what their fans want as well. So there's no reason why they shouldn't be doing that. That's it. I mean, all three of these bands that we're talking about today, I mean, obviously Mother Love Bone, that, you know, that, that's a different story and we'll, we'll mm. go into that. But with Melvin's and Mudhoney, I mean, they were never big for... Nirvana broke and when I say big obviously it's all relative you yeah. know uh, but they, they weren't like worldwide internationally renowned no. like, and 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 then after Kurt killed himself that was mm. basically it for yeah. all the grunge bands I mean obviously you had some of the you know like Bush and the uh, silver chair that came yeah, along yeah. but it was never going to be the same no of course not never it was, it was it's just it's, it's commonly known as post grunge isn't it yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but getting on to Mother Love Bone, you know, this, this is a band that were headed for, for great things, like really, really great things. Um, but we only really, we only got one album um, because the lead singer Andrew Wood um, sadly passed away in 1990. Yeah, so this is, I mean, a sort of trivial as it, as it seems to say, you know, it does make you think, wow, he passed away. Mm. In, was, it, was it April? or It was early 1990, anyway. It was, yeah, yeah. And, um, oh, I think it was March, actually. It was March, uh, and it was the release, it was before the release of the album. That's right, that's right, yeah. And and you think to yourself, wow, he missed, he basically missed out on the 90s, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny because we're, we're talking about the 90s, and... You know, obviously, he had a legacy and an impact of what was to come, but he never experienced any of it. Yeah, that's it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, I, I've, I've often thought that whenever I watch anything or listen to Mother Love Baron or at the start of the Pearl Jam documentary and they go into depth about Andrew Wood and Mother Love Baron, you know, like the, they call them, you know, are they going to be the band of the 90s, the band of the 90s? And they're very much considered, you know, again, the godfathers of, of grunge and Andrew Wood is such a 90s icon, yet the man only lived through three months of it. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. Three months of the whole of the 90s. And he was yeah. he was destined for 90s glory, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's impossible for us to say, but yeah. everyone that, that saw him perform or knew him or whatever, yeah. you know, they all say the same thing about him, that he was just born to be an entertainer. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it's just so sad that he, he never really... And, and obviously, Apple did well. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was so loved, wasn't he? He was so loved by everyone. Cornell, um, Stone Gossard, you know, the whole, the whole... Just everyone on that scene absolutely loved him. And as you say, everyone wanted to either be in a band with him or be near him or watch him because he was yeah. so dramatic. <laughs> Um, I think, you know, much like what we've said about Kurt and we've said about Lane, what, you know, what would have happened to Mother Love Bone? What would it, I mean, if, if Mother Love Bone had continued and Andrew Wood hadn't died, you know, we wouldn't mm. have Pearl Jam and we wouldn't have Temple of the Dog. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say when you're saying about how loved he was, I was you know, to say like the, the fact that Temple of the Dog came out of his death just goes to show you. And yeah, it's a funny one because you know it is it is a what if moment, it's a sort of sliding doors moment, um, particularly for Eddie Vedder. Really, you know, um, like you say, we wouldn't have had Pearl Jam, and what would have happened with Eddie Vedder? Would he have ever? Yeah. Would he have ever made the big time? We would never know. Um, and but at least with Nirvana and Alice in Chains, we got multiple albums yeah. and. We See, you know what would happen to them if they if they made it big, and um, yeah, yeah, we never got that. And oh, could you imagine? I guess if you go back to like 1989, you know, and you ask somebody in that scene, who, which band do you think is going to make it big? They probably would have said Mother Love Bone. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Could you imagine a Mother Love Bone MTV unplugged? Ah, oh, exactly. Yeah, that would have been unbelievable. I mean, the songs, you know, Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, Alone, Stargazer, Star Dog yeah. Champion. It would have been unbelievable. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, sadly, like you never, never got to see any of that. No, no, not at all. But you know, I mean, a very different. Again, a very different sound, almost glam, like glam yeah. grunge. Well, I think I mentioned this to you before, but um, mm. apparently Andrew Wood wanted the, their sound to be known as Love Rock. Which, <laughs> I've never heard that, no. He actually mentions it in one, I can't remember which song it is, but he, he actually says the phrase Love Rock in one of their songs on Alpha. Yeah. I can't remember which song it is now. But um, so, yeah, a little bit of background on these guys. Again, formed in Seattle in Washington in 1988. Um, and obviously they came out of, the breakup of Malfunction, Andrew Woods Band, and Green River, um, Jeff Ament, Stone Gossard, and Bruce Fairweather joining Andrew Woods um, and Greg Gilmore to create Mother Love Band. Mother Love Band. Yeah. And it's, I mean, they're such an iconic band, even in the film singles. Again, we won't get too into it, but you know, they're 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 so present in that film, like the songs um, Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns. Is yep. in there. You see a mass. You see the massive Mother Love Bone mural. Yeah. Um, you know he's very very present. And actually, the film singles was born out of um, the death of Andrew Wood, much like the song, um, the album Temple of the Dog. It was yeah. born because Cameron Crowe had seen everyone mourning 
Andrew Wood and really felt this community and really felt the Seattle sounds and the Seattle scene um, and wanted to sort of um, reflect it on screen in a, in a, in a film. Yeah, exactly. Um, and again, you know, you're saying about how influential they are mm. to the scene. I mean, even before they released Apple and they released their um, Shine EP. Yeah. So um, actually, um, they signed to Polygram in 1988 and Polygram actually created Stardog Records specifically oh, for wow. them. Yeah. So they I mean, obviously, they saw something in them as well. Yeah, and John Book of All Music said that um, their their EP Shine mm. uh, contributed to the buzz about the Seattle music scene. So again, they're they're helping to build this scene. Yeah, helping to build what's to come with with Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden yeah. and Pearl Jam. And uh, again, you know, such a such a shame. I know we've said it already a few mm. times, but it really is. I mean, Andrew Wood of all people, I think, would have absolutely loved just being the center of attention of it all. Yeah, yeah, and also just all the bands that followed and 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 that sense of community and how. I mean, Andrew Wood definitely wanted, unlike Kurt, who actually didn't want the fame and the glory. Yeah, um, yeah. Andrew Wood definitely did, um, and I think he would have fully embraced it and fully. Um, I'm not saying he would have struggled with it. I'm sure ever, anyone would have, but he definitely would have fully embraced it. And yeah, it's just, you know, you can't, again, like Mark Arm, you can't talk about grunge and not talk about Andrew Wood and Mother Love Bone. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's funny because I wonder what the scene, you know, I wonder if, if the scene might have had a different feel to it as well. With yeah. As a it, sort of poster yeah. boy. In a parallel universe somewhere, yeah, and like I say, if Andrew Wood hadn't had died, we would never have had the Temple of the Dog album or or Pearl Jam at all, or or possibly not even know who Eddie Vedder is. So yeah, proper yeah. sliding doors, doors moment. What's your favorite um, song on on Apple? Oh, it's such a great album. That's the thing. Mm. And uh, we were talking about it recently. We were saying yeah. maybe we can do an episode where we review it. Yeah, but we definitely um, should. I really like Stardog Champion, actually. Yeah, it's great. It, it? The thing is, it's kind of like, it does have that sort of power rock kind of feel, but it's so much more than that. It's definitely glam and it's heavier. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's just fused with the grunge spirit. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it, 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 you can see the, the sort of transition. Mm. Yeah, from, from that sort of, um, but what, what an album. I mean, mm. Just looking through the tracks now, this is Shangri-La, Stardog Champion, yeah. Hope, Bone China, yeah, Company Apple, Heart Shine, Stargazer, another beautiful <sighs> Captain Hightop, Man of Golden Words, beautiful yeah. song, Death Crown of Thorns, Capricorn System. I mean, again, it's so frustrating that that's that's all we've got. That's all we've got, yeah. The thing with Chloe Dancing, what I really love because it's a it's just it's a very short song and then it goes into Crown of Thorns, but Chloe Dancer has that, um. It's just piano, and it's just yeah. it's so iconic, and it's so iconic in this in the in the film singles as well. And it's just you hear it, and his voice over that piano is just it's just stunning, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's Andrew Wood playing the piano as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna listen. I'm on my way to work in the next half an hour, so I'm gonna have a good old listen on the on the bus. Yeah, 
Um, I'm going to play it out loud and just piss everyone off. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of playing stuff out loud, do you fancy a game of grunge trumps? Aha, yes, I do. Let's do it. Should we do it? So we've got a bunch of grunge songs, mainly some of the ones we've discussed from the bands we've discussed today. Yeah. Mud Honey, Mother Love Bone um, and Melvin's. But I've also thrown a few other um, grunge songs in there from some of our favourite bands, um, but some yeah. of their earlier material. Yeah, OK, perfect. Yeah. OK, let's do it. Let's do it. So first off, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'm starting starting strong here. Touch Me, I'm Sick by Mud Honey. OK. Uh, see, I have Revolve by Melvin's, which is the ah. one that... You were talking uh, about, yeah. but uh, we'll have to go with "Touch Me, I'm Sick," won't we? Yeah, yeah, I think so. What a great start! I mean, imagine starting the gig with that. Which one? "Touch Me, <laughs> I'm Sick." Either one. Yeah, Either one. Yeah, start with a different. <laughs> start a gig with a different band song. <laughs> <laughs> I believe they call that a cover. It is called a cover. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The word on the street is it's a cover. Right. Next one. I have Stargazer by Mother Love Bone. Ooh. I feel like I should pick another one because I've got Crown of Thorns. <laughs> See, that's a, tr- that's a struggle for me because I love them both. Um, I'm going to go with Crown of Thorns. Yeah, do you know what? I think I'm edging to that as well, to yeah. be honest. It's like, I love Stargazer, but in a world where if I had to pick one or the other, it would it would definitely be Crown of Thorns. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It's a, that's a really tough one, though, because Stargazer is a beautiful song. It is. It really is. All right, next one. You go first. Right. I am going to go with ah, Flat Out Fucked by Mud Honey. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And what a brilliant title. What a fantastic uh, title. Absolutely fantastic title. And I think it was actually the first Mud Honey song that I ever heard. Ooh, yeah. I've got All Night Thing by Temple of the Dog. All Night Thing? I don't actually know that one, I don't think. You know All Night Thing? It's an all night thing, yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I know no. that. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm going to go for All Night Thing. <laughs> yeah. Simply because I don't know All Night Thing, I'm going to go with Flat Out Very good. Very so good. Disagree on that. We will. That's all right. That's our first one. First disagreement. Okay, um, I think we're going to have another disagreement here. Go on, it's your turn to go first. I've got Nirvana's Love Buzz. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, I've got Hund by the Melvins. Oh, I don't uh, know that. Yeah, and that is another really good Melvin song. Um, yeah, it's spelled H-U-N-D, so it's like, I guess it's like hound. Like, is it, is yeah. that like German word for hound? Or, or? Anyway, yeah. very good song. But, I mean, we've got to go with Nirvana there, haven't we? Yeah, I'm going to go for Love Buzz. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. All right, go for it. Okay. Um, A Green River song, This Town. (laughs) Ah, I have Love, Hate, Love by Alice in Chains. Oh, I mean, come on. Don't even, there's not even a question there. (laughs) The greatest love song of all time. It is, in my opinion, Love, Hate, Love is the greatest love song ever written. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Same. Love, hate, love. Love, hate, love from Facelift, their first album. Gotta be love, hate, love. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, your turn. My turn is Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, Mother okay. Love Bone. So we've got another Mother Love Bone versus Mother Love Bone situation. I've got a Holy Roller. Ooh, that's a cracker. That is an absolute yeah. cracker. But I will stand by what I said before. If I was ever going to pick just one Mother Love Bones, Love Bone song, it would be Crown of Thorns. Yeah. So <laughs> Crown of Thorns has won twice <laughs> within yeah. the same. Mother Love Bone, Crown of Thorns has been crowned. Top song. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. Okay. So this is number seven, I think. I think so, yeah. Here we go. Floyd the Baba by Nirvana. Ooh, nice. I've got Nearly Lost You by Screaming Trees. Ooh, it's got to be Screaming Trees, I think, that yeah, one. Yeah, I agree. Nearly it's Lost fun. You is such a but, brilliant song. Yeah. Nearly lost, nearly lost you, yeah. Yeah, we've got that really, haven't we? Yeah. All right. I oh, have yeah. um, Loud Love by Soundgarden. Okay, well, I have got Very Ape by Nirvana this time. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to go Loud Love just because I absolutely love Cornell's vocals on this song. Fair dues. I'm going to go with Very Ape on that one. Fair enough. Fair enough. That was a, that was a hard one. That was a hard one. All right, number nine for me. I've got Pushing Forward Back by Temple of the Dog. Oh, fucking great song. Great. Um, I have Suck You Dry by Mud Honey. I'm going with Suck You Dry on that one. Particularly. Mm. The, I'm going to go Suck You Dry as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just because, um, yeah. Just because we've just seen them. Yeah. Uh, that's maybe not a phrase that we should say too often. I'm going to go suck you dry. <laughs> <laughs> I opt to suck you dry. <laughs> All right. Okay. This is the last one. This is the last one. Um, I have Star Dog Champion, Mother Love Bone. You're going to have to win, I think. I've got um, Elderly Woman. Uh, what's the full title? Elderly Woman Behind the Small Counter, um, Pearl Jam. Yeah, Pearl Jam, yeah. Oh, I actually would it's pick that. Song. That's actually one of my favourite Pearl Jam songs. You reckon, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Excellent. I'm, I'm actually going to sit and listen to this playlist on the way to work. That's what I'm going to do. Cracking playlist. Brilliant playlist. And then um, what would you bring back? If you had to bring anything back from this period <laughs> of the grunge scene, what would you bring back? Wow. I have not given any thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, bring back Andrew Wood. I was going to say the obvious thing is to say bring back Andrew Wood. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I think that is is um, you know we go back and just yeah, save just Andrew save Wood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It would be just incredible to see mm. how, what he would have gone on to achieve. Yeah. To be fair, if you've got to bring anyone back in the time machine, Andrew Wood would be an excellent companion. Oh, massively, yeah. He definitely would. Definitely would. Perfect. All right. Well, like as we say always, if you don't know these bands and you don't know this song or these songs, get onto Spotify, get onto YouTube and get listening. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll, we've got to put this playlist together, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely, definitely will. I think especially if you are a Nirvana fan, I definitely urge you to listen to Mudhoney. Absolutely, yeah. In particular, Melvin's a Mudhoney. Definitely. Marvellous. Okay, until next time, this is uh, Grizz and Steve signing out.
Oh, we're doing a little outro this time. I don't know. I've never done. We've never really done that before, have we? But uh, maybe we could. Maybe we should. Yeah. Well, we just did. There you go. Party on, Grizz. Party on, Steve. If you'd like to get in touch with us about anything we've discussed in the show, please email us at tuckshoptimemachine at aol.com. You can follow us on Twitter at time underscore tuck, find us on Facebook at Tuck Shop Time Machine, or check out our new website, Grizz and Steve's 90s Tuck Shop Time Machine.wordpress.com. And finally, a big shout out to Kevin McLeod, who provided all of our music. That's all for this episode. Tune in next time for some more 90s nostalgia. Party on, Grizz. Party on, Steve.